Welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order, and uh, this is our weekly reaction series to Part 6, Ladies' Night, and um, uh, we'll go ahead and get the usual suspects out of the way because we have a very, very special guest this weekend, so I'm Drew. I'm Chris. <laughs> and uh, I, I was stunned there, but I'm Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies, gentlemen, and all you Lupontic folks, tonight we bring you a very, very special guest on Cybirds and Cigarettes. You may know him for his current work on, um, uh, well, Get a Robo Arc just finished. Um, Takagi-san is currently airing and Shinmu has just started, but you'll know him for sure for translating, uh, you know, Lupin the Third Part Six. <clears throat> we welcome translator extraordinaire. You may know him as Zoid the Nine Thousand on Twitter. Ian, how's it going, Ian? Yay! Hey everybody, what's going? I'm I'm Stop. very happy to be here, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. Yeah, and but before we go on, like I just want to say personally, like we've shout we've given you a shout out in almost every episode, just because <laughs> um, you know. We do love the translations you've done mm-hmm. for, yeah, um, for part you're six. You're doing really great work. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing I the Lord's it. work, sir. I so really, the Lord's really work appreciate it. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff I tend to do, I mean, it depends on the show, but a lot of the work I do ahead of time. So usually when things come out, I'm like already done with it. So it's just cool. Cause like, usually I watch the episodes like alone and I'm a fan too. Right. So I'm always geeking out, but then I got to wait, you know, X amount of months. <laughs> and so it's really fun. Cause I'll, I'll uh, download your guys' episodes and I'll listen to it when I'm in the car, if I'm driving somewhere. And so of course, when you get a shout out, I'm like, Hey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I thrive off fan feedback. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. No, but we thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it's paid off. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Usually it's customary for us to ask uh, how you got into Lupin the Third, but before that, uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Sure, sure. Um, So I'm a translator for mainly anime, but also I dabble in some other things. Um, I've done a lot of like live action extras and stuff on our Blu-rays. So that's pretty fun too. Um, I used to freelance and right now I'm in-house with a company. So uh, pretty much my 24 seven is just (laughs) Japanese and English. So um, let's see, in terms of background, I used to live in Japan for about five years. Uh, I used to work as an English teacher. Yeah. So that was fun. I was in a very, very rural area of Japan. Like it's super countryside. Uh, So I did, like when I went there, I had taken a few years of Japanese, so I like knew how to speak, but I couldn't really speak. But by the time I was done, it was like, oh, I had to, you had to speak to survive, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm married to a Japanese woman who I met while I was over there. And so, um, let's see, what else do I do really? That's, that's about it, really. I just translate and that's always kind of been my dream in a way. I actually, I'll lie. My dream used to be being a voice actor, but that was before <laughs> I realized how hard that is to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially for anime people. Cause they kind of have to be their own agents. So I think that's a lot of work that I, I very much admire. They put in that work. Um, 
But I do, because of my job, we do have a studio in our office. And so sometimes when it comes to the dub, unfortunately not the loop and dub, because that's being done in elsewhere, obviously. Uh, and to get the old cast back, which is very exciting. I'm actually very excited to hear what it sounds like because they're working off a different script. So I think ah. that'll be very interesting to hear. Oh, yeah. um, well, that answers my question. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have access to my translations, but I, I don't. I don't know if they're because I know there's usually the way it works is there's uh, someone who writes the dub specifically and they'll have to work to match off lip flaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's usually someone in between. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, I used to <laughs> one of my dreams was being a voice actor when I was in like, you know, high school because I was like, oh, super cool. But then as I grew older, I was like, oh, that's kind of difficult and a lot of work. So I learned Japanese and I became a translator instead. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask though, yes, yes. how many how many languages do you do you understand or speak or have translated for? Mainly only English and Japanese. I took Spanish when I was in high school, <laughs> which was the first time I had really tried to grapple with a foreign language, and I mm-hmm. think I did okay. But then I never used it, so I've pretty much forgotten it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of ironic because I, after I moved to Japan, I'm now li- I'm originally from Utah, so. Uh, mostly only English there. There are some Spanish speakers. Um, but now mm-hmm. I'm in Texas, which there's a lot of Spanish speakers. So I'm like, oh man, I wish I could remember how Spanish works. <laughs> Honestamente no es muy difícil. No, the reason why I asked that is because, I'm sorry, just real quick, Drew, it's it's (laughs) interesting, (laughs) especially for translating, because like, um, I I know I have a I have a couple of friends who have lived in Japan and have taught English, and some of them didn't really have to learn Japanese because they lived in bigger cities. Right, right. Um, And, you know, for me, I learned, so I learned how to understand but not speak very well French and German through operas through immersion. Mm-hmm. And I joke with people, I could survive in Japan thanks to anime, but I can't speak it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of how it was for me at first. Like I could I could understand when people talked, like I, you know, pick out a few words. But then when you mm-hmm. have to like it comes to conveying what you want to say, it's like, "Oh god, what do I do?" Yeah. <laughs> so that's when the studying kicks in. Yeah. And I'm done. <laughs> All right. That's fine. Don't mind me over here. I took I took one Spanish class in college, and I'm I'm kind of hopeless right now. So <laughs> I am vastly underqualified here. <laughs> you know uh, what you're saying now reminds me of uh, my relationship with Italian, because being part of the Lupin Third fandom, I've ended up picking up a lot of comprehension of Italian over the years. Oh, nice. Couldn't I can't speak it, That's can't awesome. write it, but but if you give me some Italian text, I might be able to figure out what it says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that sounded a lot more impressive in my head. Anyway, <laughs> it's something though. It's something. It's more than I can say. My thing uh-huh. is, so long as you try it, as long as you try it, because I know in Japan, because I've been, I've only was there for like a couple days, but if you try to speak with um with a native, they will like in any country. They will try and help you because they see, oh, you're enthusiastic about speaking our language. We'll try and help you. But again, it also does depend on the person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like mm-hmm. the biggest, I think the biggest wall to overcome in learning another language is just the fear of being wrong <laughs> and yeah. speaking like a broken child. Once you get past that, <laughs> you're golden. 
Exactly. So, I should just say, you know, welcome to this very special episode of Linguistics and Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my favorite 60s film. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so back to Lupin. So now I will move on to the uh, the customary question we ask every guest, which was, which is, um, how did you first discover Lupin? You know, what, what, what got you into the into the franchise? Well, I'm sure like many people. Uh, I was introduced to Lupin through the part two dub when it was on Adult Swim slash, you know, whatever that block you want to call it is. Uh, yeah, I don't Yay. exactly remember, but I just remember like being up late one night and turning on the TV and I was like, oh, what is this? And they're like stealing <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I am down. Because I used to be, I used to, I used to love like, you know, uh, Ocean's Eleven, you know, stuff like that, where you just... It's it's stealing for entertainment. <laughs> so anything that involves uh, thieves with personality uh, doing crazy things, I am there for. So uh, and then later, you know, I, I bought some DVDs. I bought uh, like the Genion releases of part two. I have like three or four of them. And then I bought some stuff from I think it was Funimation when they put out uh, part. Yeah. Or not part. Um, episode zero and a few of the other specials. So. I haven't seen everything, but, you know, uh, I kind of pick, pick and, picked a few. And then I was really excited when the Koi K films came out because I liked Koi K because he did uh, Redline and I loved Redline. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn, he's doing Lupin. So and then, of course, I watched part four and part five on. I was actually in Japan, I think, when part five was airing. So I watched it on TV, which was oh, nice. Cool. That's that's that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting experience in and of itself, because. Then, then you start getting like there's commercial breaks and stuff. <laughs> and oftentimes they will, they will, because I think in America we have a law that you can't advertise for, especially if like it's a kid's, kids show, you can't advertise for the thing that, that the show has in it. But in Japan, mm-hmm. there is no such rule. So a lot of the advertisements will usually, not all of them, but some of them will relate to whatever it is you're watching. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Lupin commercials. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So. Tonight, um, uh, we are talking about episode 17 of part six, win or lose in 0.1 seconds. And uh, this episode was written by Akira Kendaichi and, of course, translated by Ian here. So, Ian, (laughs) how did you feel about this episode? Oh, man. Well, first, I want to say you will be hard pressed to find an episode that I don't like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am completely biased because I generally have to spend, you know, uh, a lot of time like dissecting them. (laughs) So I usually watch each episode at least three times. Once just the first time I'll watch it just so I know what's going on. And then I'll watch it again while I'm working on it. And then I'll watch it again when I'm done just to make sure that everything's good. I don't do that with every show because usually I don't have time, but if it's a show that I'm like, you know, really invested in like Lupin, I will definitely put in the extra mile. So, but usually by the time I'm done with it, I'm like, man, I like this, 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 this. So there's no episode that I'm ever like, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm all, there's always something that I, some nugget that I appreciate. But I think this episode mm-hmm. had a lot of <laughs> good nuggets, uh, particularly <laughs> just, just uh, like I said, we just finished talking about, you know, Ocean's Eleven and that kind of like group thieving dynamic, which I think really shined in this episode. Uh, specifically for Lupin, because like, I think a lot of people, well, I don't want to say a lot of people, but some people have the idea that he steals things to like, you know, get richer or, you know, uh, to be the best thief. But I think this episode teaches us that he steals things because stealing things is fun for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's, that's it. It's a thrill ride. And I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate Mm -hmm. that. But Um, also the challenge of it too. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's not just that it's stealing something. It's having this goal that's like really impossible. And it's like a puzzle, right? You have mm-hmm. to, he's like, mm-hmm. okay, we've got this tower and, you know, let's try going inside. Nope, can't do that. So what do we have to do? We have to, you know, shut down all the power. Well, how do we shut down the power? You know? So I, I like, I really like that part of this episode that we spend some time like seeing them go from point one or point A to point B to point C and then, you know, pull it off in the end, which involved a lot of crazy teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And so Natalie, how are you feeling about it? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It's just, um, I, I wasn't like mad or irritated last week when I saw the preview. I was like, oh God, another safe episode. Cause yeah, it's Lupin. There's going to be episodes that involve safes, but like the ones I can think of at the top of my head were the part five uh, smart safe episode, which my co-host Chris will fist bump me and tell and agree with me that it's one of the best episodes of part five. Um, I, I, I would accept for the word one and of. It is the best episode of part five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, also this one from part two, where it ended up where like that bald headed kid handcuffed Fujiko and I, and we get one of the best one liners from Goemon in the dub. So Fujiko, how, how much do you really love those hands? (laughs) (laughs) um, That's a good one. That's a great one. (laughs) But in general of the episode, um, I wasn't too I wasn't upset by it at all um, once I started watching it because I found it adorable in a creepy sense because I I I, I kind of feel like um, our um, heroine um, Lynn I can't what was was it Lynn Wang was her name uh, Lynn Feng um, Wang her last name was, was Wang Lynn Feng Wang yeah yeah. yeah. And just her general obsession with Lupin the Third. I love how someone on Twitter was like, y- "Y'all ragging on Lynn for her Lupin wall, but I bet a lot of you have a Lupin wall." And <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I just had nothing but fan art, <laughs> Club Mercury prints, just like all over my wall by my computer. Um, and also, can we just like, can we just give a shout out to the uh, to the catchiness that is that? Um, that commercial. jingle for her company. <laughs> oh my yes. goodness! <laughs> you, you, you know that scene from Inside Out. Um, the triple dink will make you smile. You know um, how your brain will just send up those jingles randomly. Mm-hmm. That's been me the past three days with that damn jingle. Just at work today, like really. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, loved it. It's a it's a great new pawn episode. I take back what I said last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say one thing that I was confused about when we, when we see the, the Lynn's room with all the posters, because mm-hmm. it's an anime, of course, all of them are like drawn, but I'm always like, so the one where she's like facing Lupin and they're like getting married, like, is that, did she Photoshop that? <laughs> or is it like, is it real <laughs> pictures of them? Or is it like a fan art of them together? I, you, I can't tell because it's anime. Like, which is it? I Actually, my, um, I remember I was watching with well, my wife and I made a comment and she goes, well, you know, China's really good at Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the fact that Lupin has better eyebrows in her poster makes me think maybe it was like a commission or something. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
you know, you know, maybe, maybe she paid somebody to paint that for her. Yeah. Before I turn it over to the next person to talk about it, I kind of just want to give a shout out to my friend Katie, because on our Discord server, this is what she said. She said, and this is a direct quote. Imagine you're an artist just trying to get by, pay off some student loan debt. Maybe you're living with your parents. I don't know. But money is tight and life is okay. Then you get a request in your inbox. It's from someone saying, here is my photo. I want a photo manipulation of me, Mary, and Lupin III. And I want this to be your La Piata. I want your heart and soul into this. I also want it to be massive, high res, and money is not an object here. Also, can you make them look like this? And she attaches another commission fan art piece, and the artist has turned this guy. You've maybe seen a few news pieces on in passing into the most gorgeous, perfect eyebrowed son of a bitch you've ever seen. (laughs) 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 You do the commission, and she comes back asking for another fan art, becomes a regular. Your friend who is a 3D model artist has all his troubles washed away when she commissions a life-size Lupin statue. (laughs) (laughs) And I just read that whole thing after seeing the episode like fair. (laughs) Very fair. That's a perfect explanation for for all that. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, Chris, how did you feel about this week's episode? Honestly, I thought it was a little fantastic. I loved it. It's like this is probably my favorite episode, you know, of this whole Nupon thing. Like from parts four, five, and six, this is no episode has made me this happy. It's like, <laughs> you know, the whole twist with, uh, you know, with Wong's huge crush on Lupin, that took me com- completely blindsided me, and I could not stop laughing at it. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and like like the whole, the way they pulled off the heist using the jingle as a metronome. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, the bickering between Jigen and Fujiko and bringing Goemon into it, I thought was a lot of fun as well. There were there were two bits that reminded me of uh, Monkey Punch stories, though. The first one being the rehearsal of the heist reminded me a lot of, uh, I can't remember what chapter it was, but it's a Shin Lupin story that got adapted into an episode of Part 2 called uh, Teamwork. And it's pretty much the same thing. That Lupin and the gang are practicing a heist and they keep screwing it up. And then there's also, uh, in 2006, uh, Monkey Punch drew half of a crossover with uh, that one manga about police station. Kochikame? Yeah, Kochikame. yeah Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Monkey Punch drew half of that. And part of Lupin's plan to rob, I think it was a museum, was to send a whole bunch of cosplayers wearing, you know, dressed up as him to uh, distract everybody. So, you know, the Monkey Punch fanboy and me really appreciated those nods, even though I doubt they were intentional. But, yeah, I just I just thought it was, it was just such a clever, it was a really funny episode. I I, th- I thought the visuals were maybe, like, a little wonky, but I kind of appreciated that, too. So, you know, nothing wrong going off model sometimes. I feel like that's a, personally speaking, that's a benefit of animation. Like, it's not live action, so not everything has to look the same every time. Mm-hmm. Especially in a show but, yeah. that's, you know, like Lupin, where... We can go from like you know dark, dark blood going on blood spray type stuff to like oh, can't be lighthearted stuff like you know if if it can be that versatile in terms of story it can be that versatile in terms of animation too yeah absolutely. oh yeah yeah indeed there's one thing I want to bring up though the major issue I have with this episode Lupin saying that Lin Feng looked better without glasses I am a hundred percent on board as that is a problem agreed. That, that's yes. that's the one major Agreed. flaw. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mean like, I can I can appreciate his point of view, but personally speaking, I thought she looked cuter with the glasses on. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, a friend pointed out to me that maybe you know Lupin did that, like maybe he took her glasses off in order to, you know, help mask his escape. But eh, I don't know. It seemed like he meant it, and I gotta say, Lupin, I love you, man. But we're gonna have to disagree on this. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I was expecting more of like a. That, that scene from Zoolander where like the lady has her hair up and then, you know, he like makes it go down and he's like, Oh, you look better like that. Cause she had, her, yeah. Lynn, Lynn had her hair up. Yeah. And so I was expecting him to do that or something right. like, Oh, you look better mm-hmm. with your hair natural. But no, it was Lynn <laughs> legit looked like Charlotte Pickles from the Rugrats. <laughs> like <laughs> freaking eighties power suit. <laughs> <laughs> and the hair up, oh my god! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, but with glasses. Oh, that was, <laughs> that, that was a connection I did not expect to find tonight. It's the power suit. It's the freaking eighties power suit. Well, I mean, I, I I felt bad for Lynn Thing at the end because I'm uh, our, our co-host Chris here uh, uh, writes a web comic. And there is a gag in that webcomic where one of the characters has this big pair of goggles that also doubles as his glasses, which he like, which he gives away <laughs> for an exchange. He turns down, starts walking. He says, I can't see a damn thing, which like that. I felt bad for Lin Fang. So, Cause like, what if Lupin takes those and leaves? And she's just like, I can't see shit. <laughs> Thanks. I hate you now. <laughs> I'm going to go find a new crush. It's going to be Jigen this time. <laughs> Get, get her some contact lenses. Jeez, Lupin. Exactly. Like, like at least give her an option, man. Don't just leave her hanging there. <laughs> but no, I've got, I, 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 I hate to break the circle of positivity. Nah, I'm just lying. This episode was absolutely incredible. Like, Don't you can't man. fool me, Drew. I saw your tweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we've all seen your Twitter, honey. <laughs> Like, man, because it, it, it was interesting because the next episode preview for this was like really kind of cryptic. You only got the close ups of each of their faces, so, you know, with the little earpieces. And I was like, OK, like, interesting. Like, you know, that's, that's an interesting approach to take. But then the uh, the official Lupin Twitter account started posting like little images here and there. And it was one where Lin Thing was in like her shrine of Lupin stuff. And then it was one with like all the cosplayers. And I was like, oh. Okay. Oh, oh, and then there was there was one where it was uh, Zinigata, obviously you know like saluting, but Yata holding like his little badge open with a little cutesy smile on his face. And I was thinking, okay, I, I think we're in for something special. And man, like this was one of those episodes in the in the uh, in the tradition of episodes like uh, what was it in part one? Which of the third generation will win? Where um, uh, the uh, the descendant of Ganymard, you know, challenges Lupin, and it ends with all the Lupin doubles taking over like you know this big area and um also episodes like the uh, the miami bank heist from part two I-, I love that trope of someone making a really elaborate safe or some security system challenging lupon and then hijinks ensue like that's just a winning formula and i think this is one of the best interpretations because like as chris mentioned with with lin Feng, it's not just like she was some prideful like business person like ah challenge she had the most adorable and I'm only going to say unsettling because there's one picture in her shrine and I want to know how she got it because it's from the Holmes, the, the Raven arc where Lupin's got his little blanket like up to his chin when he's going to sleep in his hideout. And I'm like, how did you get that one picture? I just, I just have, 
How did that happen? Well, I mean, you know, she's also got a picture of him from uh, uh, when the seventh bridge falls, when the uh, dock is, is being ripped apart, and he's and he's getting ready to fire as Walter while being handcuffed, which is a badass moment. But who the hell took a picture of it? <laughs> <laughs> photographers there. That also opens up the question that, that Ian brought up, though. Like, you know, are all of these photographs or are these commissions based on true events? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> that's that, that, that's an item up for up for the headcanon. Again, I'm keeping with the headcanon that Katie said that this woman with all her money is just taking care of a bunch of artists and just asking, asking them individually, can I get a figure of, of him like this? Can I get a, can I get an art piece of him like this? And, you know, I mean, she got the money. Might as well do it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned the figures. I wonder how many of those were, are actually real. I, I question that myself too. I swear I saw one or two I actually own. Oh, wow. Shot. That Same. wouldn't be surprised. Maybe. It's not uncommon for them to reference like real merchandise. So, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird whenever you, you know, put yourself into this world, you know, this fictional world, like this man's at the top of Interpol's most wanted list. Who's making, who's mass producing figurines of this guy, <laughs> which, which does lend credence to the whole idea that, you know, she commissioned all these herself. So, yeah. That's an interesting question. Cause I also sometimes wonder is Lupin's, reputation in the world of Lupin more of like a Robin Hood type like existence especially in our modern day world where there's a lot of like you know eat the rich stuff going on like Mm -hmm. if Lupin existed I'm pretty sure he'd have a pretty healthy fan base oh yeah Um, you would want to appeal appeal to that by making merchandise so it's not I don't think it's that (laughs) far-fetched no no agreed I mean even in the late 60s and early 70s there was this movement among the youth of this whole you know eat the rich and um, down with down with the bourgeoisie sort of mentality. It, it's nothing new. It's just thanks to the internet. There's um, there's like a, there's like a mouth. Well, there's like a megaphone for it now mm-hmm. to the point where like the kids say you're going to flaunt your wealth. It's a bad look. So, <laughs> but I've always wondered about that. Like what is um, Lupin's reputation in, in his universe? Like for me, if, if Lupin the third was a real master thief, in our world, I'm not gonna lie. I not I won't be like on Lynn's level, but <laughs> but I would I would, would follow right? him obsessively. No, really, like I would follow him obsessively. Like I would any magazine with him on it, I'd buy it. Any newspaper article with him in it, I'd buy it. There's merchandise, yes, please give it to me because unlike some crooks, because there are real crooks in this world, it's like go after the rapists what? and murderers. This guy is doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was actually probably one of my favorite parts of this episode is so Zenigata shows up and he talks to Lynn and he's like, and she's just like, this is just a game. Like we agreed to the terms. Like there's no harm, no offense, no nothing. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then later Lupin's like, come steal with Lupin. All these people show up in cosplay and it's like, <laughs> so it is a heist but it's a legal heist. And so like you can go and do it. Like <laughs> the idea of that to me is just super exciting. I would have been one of oh, those yeah. people for sure. They'll say, yeah, it, it, cosplay as Lupin. Here am I? I mean, <laughs> that scene itself, like all the different variations and all like, I think my favorite one was drag queen Fujiko. Like, <laughs> that was great. Oh, repping well, my drag queens uh, right there. <laughs> you know, uh, the thing we were saying about the fandom though, 
that reminds me of a bit in the uh, Kochikame crossover because it's mentioned that somebody puts out a call on a loop on a third uh, message board. So I guess like you know even even in the manga, there's you know loop on a third has a fan base in universe. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. The only unrealistic part was when they had all the cosplayers and they were doing the heist. There was no group of them arguing over which jacket color was the best. <laughs> I mean, you have a point. Because <laughs> well, like every, I mean, obviously it's red, but. <laughs> but, but yeah, nobody was really arguing that. You're right. I mean, one one thing I do enjoy, at least um, the only convention I really go to religiously, at least before COVID, was um, was fan is Fanime Con here in San Jose, and um, for the very few Lupin cosplayers that I meet, if we do kind of like like link up and then just start hanging out. I don't recall any of us arguing which jacket color is the better one. We're just, we're just so surprised that there's Lupin fans out there that were like, Oh, like it, it, it's kind of like the Spider-Man meme. You it's exist. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's, and it's just crazy to think that, you know, the situation you're describing that would not have been possible, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. It's just, no, it's agreed. amazing. How, it's amazing how much this thing has blown up in the last, not even, not even the last decade. Oh yeah. I mean, the first the first full year I went to Fanime in 2010, I was happy to see the one Lupin cosplayer or the one Jigen cosplayer because it was like that that anime is near and dear to my heart. So it's like, oh my god, thank you. And then my my ex, he would cosplay um, Green Jacket Caliostro Lupin. So I was like, oh, you do Lupin, thank you. Like, I I, I cosplay Fujiko, and but now. Again, last time I went was 2019, and I did blue jacket Lupin. So to see, I saw a pink jacket Lupin, I saw a bodysuit Fujiko, and I saw a couple more just kind of like this episode, but not like a bunch of them, just like popping up here and there. And I'm like, the kids are all right. The kids are all right. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are all right. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Exactly. (laughs) See, I'm... uh... Okay, I, I got to mention this. Ian, I'm going to have to thank you again for some of the, oh. the most killer Jigen lines in yes. the whole oh, series. Because, like, I laughed out loud at the moment where, you know, they're, you know, they're all prepping for the heist, doing all the training. But the, uh, the, uh, the Wong Tick bus comes by. They all have little quips, but I love how Jigen just turns and says, goddamn noise pollution. <laughs> maybe my favorite yes. line of the episode yes. that was great i spend a lot of time i really i really do i sit there and i'm like what would jegan say <laughs> what and would Jigen and say? yeah yeah i mean <laughs> personally speaking jegan is my favorite character i love because he brings a lot of snark to the group so agreed i, I love snark <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no i'm glad that 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 came through because i that is definitely a line that i actually i went back and i rewrote it because i was like it needs a little bit of that jigan spice <laughs> needs that bite you know i was just i was just about to ask if you had a favorite character to write for but i guess that answers that yep there you go there you go yeah it is definitely jigan and and i will say the banter between the group is usually the funnest thing to translate uh, especially oh, since imagine. we've gotten into the second half, like uh, that scene in episode, uh, I don't remember which episode it is, but the first part of this one where uh, Lupin and Jigen are fighting over the, the dinner and the <laughs> he's like, you know, and they do the whole, the back thing that they had from Cagliostro, but just, mm-hmm. just seeing them bicker like that is not only fun, but it's like fun to write. Cause you've got to, 
like you can translate things directly, but you have to make it sound good. You have to make it flow, which is always the hardest part. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And you you have been nailing that so far, you know, in my humble opinion. Thank you. Like, mm-hmm. th- th- this is, and I'm, I'm genuinely not saying this with like hyperbole. Like, this is some of my favorite translation I've seen for the series in quite some time. Uh, like, uh, all their uh, personalities shine yeah. through so wonderfully. And, like, man, thank you. Keep it up, man. It's so good. I mean, uh, all I have to say is like, so when I first got news that I was going to do Lupin, it was really weird because I had worked on another show called um, Is the Order a Rabbit Bloom, which is the season three. And there's a character in that show who's a parody of Lupin called Lapin. And uh, they, had a, <laughs> they had a whole episode where it was just her and it was a big parody. And I was like, all right, this is probably the closest I'll ever get to, to translating Lupin. And because I, I, I was a fan and I like loved the idea of it. And I used to watch like on Crunchyroll, and I'd be like, oh, man, whoever's doing the translation is doing a good job because they they do a lot of work to reword things to make it sound like a character should and not sound you mm-hmm. know like a robot or whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, we got news like at one point. Oh, yeah, we're getting Lupin. And in my and when I first got the news, I was like, oh, cool, we're going to share it with whatever other company is also getting it and is going to do the translation. And then months later, they were like, no, it's our exclusive title and we need someone to translate. It. I was like, oh, oh, and I had already had another job that I was working on, but I was like, <laughs> please, I need, I need this. <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time inside, I was like, Oh, God, I hope I can live up to it. So I, you know, I, I tend to think I'm pretty good at my job. But even if you're good, you're not always the best. There's always someone better out there. So I'm always like, I, I, I want to make it work. I want it to sound like Lupin's should. And so the fact that you guys who are big fans are saying that means I'm succeeding, which is just makes me really happy. Hmm. Which brings me to my own question um, with the translations, because I mentioned, I think it was this previous episode. I'm not, not this episode, obviously the, the haute couture episode with Goemon that um, I've started to notice with your translations. Again, we, we love them. I love them. I find them funny. The, the, the camouflage one made me oh, laugh so hard. Yeah, I fell yeah, off yeah. the desk. Yeah. 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 I was just listening to that. Do you guys talk about it earlier today? I actually haven't finished listening to that, but I got to that part when I was in my car and I was like, yes, because that, that pun, (laughs) that pun, Lupin actually makes a pun there in Japanese. So I knew I had to do something. I can't do the exact same thing because I think in Japanese he says, rakuda wa rakuda, which means it's easy to be a camel. Because camel in Japanese is raku, rakuda, and then easy is raku, and does like a sentence ender. Ah. So yeah, he's nice. like, oh, it's easy to be a camel. And I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Like, I would laugh at that. So I was like, I have to do something. And so, you know, I was sitting there for five minutes, like camel puns. And I was like, oh, they're at a fashion, camouflage. It's great. And I think, I think, yeah. personally, I think that that line is... Is so you guys talked about how Goemon like realizes that's Lupin, and it's not just mm-hmm. that he's acting goofy. I feel like it's the fact that he says a pun like that triggers Goemon. He's like, "Oh yeah, the only, the only dumbass I know, I know who do that shit." Is <laughs> but basically, what I wanted to ask and you kind of did answer it is how close can you get with a language that will not have the same, that obviously will not have the same reaction. Um, translated, you know, um, our friend and co-host Guillaume, he always tells me the Italian mantra of um, to translate is to betray, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is very, which is very true, you know, especially when I've translated 
you know, for family members, whether it's a joke or a story in Spanish, or just for myself recently when I was in um, Switzerland. But how, like, like, you did answer that, but also, like, I do thank you for, like, keeping keeping closely in line with the characters. Like, as I mentioned, you have Jigen, who is your favorite character, um, saying lines that I remember so fondly um, in the dub of part two. And, and the, the way the characters um, are translated, it's very much them. I don't mm-hmm, necessarily mm-hmm. read subtitles. I'm reading these characters yeah, and I can yeah. hear it in their voices. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you do such a well, well, good job, but do you find difficulty in doing that aside from keeping them in character Definitely. or just it's, the proper translations? <laughs> it's very hard. Um, in terms of translation, there are some uh, different theories we'll say. Um, a lot of people think translation is word to word, but I prefer the term sense to sense. So yes. your goal is you're trying to recreate the same sense that is created in one language and another. And, and oftentimes that means using different words and oftentimes, especially for jokes, entirely different concepts uh, to achieve the same goal. And so when you say to translate is to betray, I, I, the, the, the meaning there is essentially something will change or something will be lost. And mm-hmm. I, I accepted early on in my career, career that I, there are some things I will lose because it's just impossible. Like even if you had translation notes, like you can't necessarily capture what a Japanese person feels or thinks when they hear those words, even if you explain it. So my idea, the way I approach it is if I'm losing something, I'm always trying to add something that will either achieve the same effect or get close to it. And in some cases, it might even be better, depending on if it's, you know, a joke or something. It could be a little a little funnier or, you know, less funny. It kind of depends. But usually that is the goal. And it is always very hard. Um, but I always try to stay faithful. Um, and one thing that I always remember is, as, as someone who speaks Japanese and can watch things without subtitles, um, my goal as a translator if I've, is, is if I'm watching something with subtitles, because a lot of times I will watch anime like on Crunchyroll or whatever, and I will be thoroughly entertained, not just by the show, but by the translation, like in the subtitles, because you're like, oh, like, you know, it's a native way to say something. I'm always like, oh, that's so creative and so funny. So that's the kind of translation that I want to put out there. It's something that if someone who spoke Japanese watched it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's creative. You know, because watching a show in Japanese and watching a show in English is a very different experience. So mm-hmm. watching a show in Japanese with English subtitles can still be a different experience from just watching it in Japanese if you know Japanese, because they're two completely different languages. And even if you understand both of them, you're going to get two completely different experiences. Mm -hmm. And I know that every translation is different. Everyone has a different approach to it. And actually there is, I believe in the Philippines, there's a streaming service. I think it's, I don't remember the name of it, but they have their own English translator who's doing Lupin the third part six. And I've seen a few, a few captions um, I wish I could have access to it. I tried to VPN my way through because I'm very curious to see how they approach some themes. But even mm-hmm. that, even what I've seen of that, like it's very different from my work and not necessarily mm-hmm. in a positive or negative way, but it's just, you know, I feel like because every translation is going to be different, my goal should be one to make it entertaining, which it already is. And B to, mm-hmm. you know, add a little of my own personal flavor, which I think is where, you guys say you, you get, and I've heard this online too, but some of that part two dub 
like because that was my first introduction to the characters and so admittedly that's kind of what gets stuck in my head when I hear them or see them like so Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that I'm intentionally trying to go that way it's just like when I hear the Japanese and I'm like rewording it that's just kind of how it comes out and Mm -hmm. I think that's because even the, the part two dub like there are some parts where you know they really went off the trails but like the yeah. core the core of the character is still there that's what they are you know lupin or lupin is a is a goofy thief jigen is a badass gunman and goemon is a stone cold samurai whatever so but uh <laughs> at the same time i i think i always try to remain very faithful um but you know sometimes i do wish that i could i could go a little more crazy i know you guys talked a little mm-hmm. bit about how i was using uh, friggin which is i think was in part two dub as well but like is also yeah. is also my my go-to safe f f bomb because <laughs> there are some cases where i feel like characters do swear or do express anger or you know excitement and so in i was happy for because for getter robo they told me oh you can you can go whatever. And I know Getter Robo is kind of a dirty show. So I, I put in some F-bombs. And it's not necessarily that I want to put F-bombs into Lupin, but there are times when you're like, oh, yeah, someone is frustrated. They would say a word. I think even in this episode, um, when, when Lupin is, um, they're getting ready to do the countdown, like the big part of the heist, like this is it. And then Lynn cuts off the communication. And he Lupin is like generally like, you know, caught off guard. And I think in Japanese, he goes like, yeah, bye or something like, oh, it's bad. And I was like, well, this seems like a situation that he would just go, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's what that I had him great. do. Yeah. yeah that was great. great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, al- I'm always like very careful. I'm always like, you know, I don't want to go too far, but I want to add, you know, enough where you get that same punch. Like, you know, and I feel like uh, there's another example of this. What was it? Oh, I think it was episode eight of the first half where the one where um, uh, Lily is in trouble and Jigen protects her. Right. And there's that scene mm-hmm. where they're in the museum in the beginning and Lupin just has this really badass look on his face. And the guy was trying to kidnap Lily and my translation, I ended up using a, an English idiom, like a British English idiom, which is I'll have your guts for garters or something. Um, oh yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And some, someone online said, like, I, d- I don't like that. I like when it's more straightforward. And, like, I can understand that feeling. But, like, in my, when I, as a, as a person who speaks Japanese and I was watching, just the way he looks, the way he delivers that tone, it feels like it needed to have some punch to it versus I always think of, like, if you've ever played Star Fox, like the classic Star Fox, there's a scene with Wolf and he shows up and he goes, can't let you do that, Star Fox. And so... <laughs> that's how I kind of imagine what a plain translation for that scene would sound like. There's mm-hmm. this kidnapper, this guy who's kidnapping a little girl and he's walking out and he sees Lupin. Lupin's like, can't let you do that bad guy. And I'm like, that just falls flat for me. He needs, he needs a little something there. So that <laughs> is the spice. core of translation. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. taking something and making a adding that little spice that makes it sound how a character not necessarily should sound, but in a way that reflects their personality and makes it entertaining. Well, and also with that example, you know, the episode was set in England. So exactly. It made, exactly. It, it made perfect sense you know, for him to use a British idiom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, great. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of like how I loved with um, like my favorite dubs of anime. Obviously, it's a trio. It's um, Lupin. It's um, also Cowboy Bebop and um, Helsing. You know, tell um, um, ADR directed by Talos and Jaffe of um, what's it called? Critical Role fame. And, um, you know, he's he and Crispin Freeman, who voiced Alucard, have been interviewed on the whole like you know, the dub and also British idioms and, and the use of it and whatnot. And some people, you know, they're just, they just wanted to be kind of like straightforward, kind of like in the Japanese, but even like, even in Christopher Freeman had said, it's set in London, there's going to be English idioms, English, you know, vernacular, English slang. You're not going to get, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get anything American or anything straightforward as in the Japanese. And that's why it's one of my favorite dubs because they invested enough into it and they loved it so much to make it feel authentic in its setting. Which I also <laughs> tried to do with the first first part of part six. Because I was really nervous because I was like, I am not British at all. But I'm like, I have to do something <laughs> to make them sound. So in episode one, I, Lily pops up and she's like, turn on the TV. And I was like, okay, I know they say telly over there. So we're throwing in the Thank telly. Thank you. <laughs> <Heck> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing I really that took note of in that first half. It, 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 it gave it a real... I don't know if I want to say lived in, but it, it gave it a real authenticity to the location. Like it, 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 it wasn't like, you know, just a plain translation, just a dialogue straightforward. It's kind of like, Hey, like I'm trying to think of a way, good way to word this. It, it, it was, it was a nice like reminder of where the setting was and it just kept it feeling, you know, real. If that makes any sense. Yep. And I really yep. appreciate it. At the yeah. same time, I'm very happy that we're no longer in Britain. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to have to think about that too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of makes me wonder if the uh, if the writers of part two had to deal with that like every week, you know, because well, you know, well, they did because they were different accents. Yeah, I know. I just wonder if they had to, you know, go through something similar. It's like, you know, having to research, you know, accents and slang, and probably not. Well, I think when it comes to dubs, um, usually they work off a separate script, and I think one of the benefits of that is you don't have to understand Japanese because you always have a translation to work off of, right? So in my case, I'm just one guy, but like, if you write a dub, you can bring in other people who like, you know, are either from Britain or speak, you know, another language and you can ask them their opinions and have them change stuff. I mean, I can kind of do that too, but I usually the deadlines I have are a lot shorter. So. Well, part two felt a lot comical in some aspects, like when they did have an episode that was set in Britain, a lot of the, like the British pop culture references and the slang that they use just felt very like, oh, you've been watching a lot of Monty Python and you don't understand what this means, do you? <laughs> but I will say this with the translations, because when I was in Switzerland and Guillaume and I were preparing for recording our episode there, I don't remember how we watched, because you, unless you have a VPN, you cannot watch um, Loop on the Third Part 6 right. like we do here in the States. I tried, but um, it told me, yeah, it's not available in your country. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, but Guillaume already had it on his computer and I, I just noticed the translations and I was like, this is very flat. Not very flat, but it's like, it's not it's not that I didn't want to say that it wasn't good. It's just, it didn't it didn't have that oomph yeah, that you yeah, add to yeah. it. In my experience, so, when I watch yeah. when I watch other anime, like I can tell, like I, I like to call them lifeless translations, which is a little mean, but it kind of feels what they are, is that they are only conveying the meaning and not necessarily the spirit behind what is being said. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to do that. So I, I don't like I don't want to blame 
translators who, who keep it straight because that is one approach and it often is the easier approach. But like if I, if it's a show that you really love, you really want to do it justice. So you got to add some of that spice. There's another, uh, there's another line uh, in this episode that I think captures that very well. It's that when oh, they're, they're fighting and I can't remember exactly who says what, but I think it, it might be Goemon. Goemon has something to say and he's about to say it. Something about combining their powers and friendship, blah, blah, blah. And Jigen and Fujiko both say at the same time, basically shut up. But they both <laughs> mm-hmm. say it in Japanese in a slightly different way. And so in the translation, I made sure that Jigen says, shut your trap. And Fujiko says, <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> so it's a very, very, very minute difference. But that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say, you know, you have to change. You have to add a little bit of that life in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that uh, scene. <laughs> and that was great. Because, like, again, it, it, the little tiny changes like that just reflect their personality so much. And it just adds, it adds a yeah. richness to it. That you don't like that again. I haven't quite seen it. I mean, I have some, but like I, this has been my favorite translation of the series in, in, in quite some time. Not to disparage any other work at all, but like, man, this is good. And again, you know, Yay. with that much, much like the last episode, you have you have unleashed your inner, inner magma to add some pizzazz to the, yeah. uh, to the translations. <laughs> I was going to mention that because that was fun. The whole reach in, you know, transform your inner magma. Magma. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Oh, I was going to say there's one there's one other little little fun thing about this episode in the translation. So sometimes um, you'll have a scene where there is audio, like you can hear someone saying something, but it's obviously in the background and it's not in the script. So either I have to work on what I'm hearing, or if it's not audible, I have to add something that kind of reflects the scene. Um, So in this one, there's that scene where, you know, they all hit the button and the power goes out. And it cuts to the inside and you can hear the people like clamoring and talking, but it's not, it's not necessarily audible enough that I can tell you exactly what they're saying. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, what do I put here? And it's actually not, not, not necessarily intentional, but it was the first thing that popped into my head was uh, there's an episode of Dr. Who called silence in the library. And there's a scene, oh. there's a scene where the guy, his, his helmet goes, you know, black and he goes, Hey, who turns out the light? And he just re- ends up repeating that over and over again. And I was like, all right, we're putting that in here. So when I wrote that line, Dr. Who was in mind, it's not necessarily a reference, but there you go. That's, it that's helped. what I was hearing. There's some guy going, Very nice. hey, who turned out the lights? I just legit wonder how that jingle is going to be dubbed because I'm very curious because it fits better in Japanese. Like I understand what I don't, I understand enough Japanese to know how that jingle works off that language. I just wonder how it's going to work in English. Admittedly, (laughs) as someone who has a bit of a dirty mind, it was hard to get through this episode and not try and fit in a Wang joke somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You my Wang (laughs) G. So I'm, I'm, Probably for the dub, I'm hoping that they will go with the more <laughs> smooth pronunciation of Wantic instead of Wangtic. 
Wang tick. <laughs> Everybody wang joke tonight. You, you are a stronger man than most to avoid yeah. <laughs> putting one I of those mean, jokes in there. I will admit. I will admit. I was tempted to make a lot of wang jokes when I watched it with um, Aficionados Chris and his server, but I restrained myself because I'm a lady, I say as I pick my nose. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had you had to you had to hold the wing back. I had to hold the wing back. <laughs> yeah, you had to put it away. So um uh <laughs> um, but we we were talking about that scene where they're all prepping together, and that that's one thing I very much appreciate about well parts part six in general, but specifically this half, how well the entire gang has been utilized. Cause like, you know, a lot of times they're all mm-hmm. kind of split off, which I do prefer when they're split off. Like, you know, I'd rather have a story where it's just, you know, Lupin, Fujiko and Goemon. If Jigen and Zenigata don't, you know, make sense for the story, but I've really appreciated how like every episode in this arc has, with the exception of uh, the last episode, cause Jigen wasn't in it. And the, uh, the, uh, the Jigen one off just the main arc. And this one, I, I, I I love a good story where the gang, like all, of the, it makes sense for them all to be there, and they all play play off each other well. Like that, that that's something you don't see super often. When it's done well, it just it's kind of like the reason why I fell in love with the whole series in the first place is that you get to see every character shine. You know, you know what, what what's so special about him and everything. I just like it when the gang's all here, <laughs> when the gang is there and and doing things. Indeed. I was going to say there are two two scenes in this that I really, really like. One is, so <laughs> everyone leaves. They like just peace out. <laughs> and then they slowly come back and Goemon's first. And Goemon like basically says, so you still going to do it? And Lupin's like, well, yeah, obviously. And he's like, but didn't you say it's impossible? And he's like, well, yeah, but like that's the whole reason I'm doing it. And he has this whole thing about how he explains, you know, it's not just I'm not just doing it for pride. You know, it's, I want to do it because it's a challenge. Like if I did stuff that I could just do every day, then it would offer no thrill to me. And so it it also goes back to the part where Fujiko shows up and she's like, so Lupin, are you really going to give me the dollar? Like, isn't that the whole point? You're going to steal it. And he's like, nah, you can have it because I'm after something else, which we discover later is the thrill. Mm -hmm. The thrill and or challenge. I mean, it's it's like when I love to when I love explaining to people what I love about Lupin the Third or even just Carmen San Diego. I mean, I do it, it's kind of the same thing, except with Carmen San Diego, at least I learned geography. <laughs> but <laughs> and um, history. You no know, and history. Again, I, I blame Carmen San Diego and Lupin for the reason why I'm getting my master's degree in history and they're the <laughs> cause of all my suffering. No. But um when you both dissect both characters, both Phantom Thief characters, especially when given given their lineage, I, and I'm for Carmen San Diego, I'm using the cartoon with uh, Rita Moreno doing mm-hmm, the voice, mm-hmm. not the Netflix adaptation, because in the cartoon, you know, you learn that she was an orphan, she worked for Acme, but after busting um, criminals was like not a lot of a challenge for her. That's when she became a Phantom Thief, be- basically becoming Lupin the Third and the Riddler. Because of because she did it for the thrill, she did it for the challenge. That was challenging her, and I see that a lot with Lupin. With Lupin, it's it's not necessarily a I'm doing it because the bad guys deserve it kind of thing. Because he is a Robin Hood esque character, as is Goemon. No, he does it for the funsies. He does it for the thrill, 
And I love how they put that in here, just reestablishing what we already know is canon with Lupin. I don't do it because I uh, because I have to do it. I do it because I want to do it. It's fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he talked about that with Goemon of all people. So yeah, more that, Goemon that, moments. <laughs> that, that's great. And, and and you bring up that scene, but it, it also uh, kind of uses an aspect I love of the Lupin gang that gets utilized. Well, not not pretty often. I, I, it's just an aspect of the Lupin gang I love. Is like the gravitational pull of the Lupin gang. Like when mm-hmm. no matter how like disparate they get, or if they all walk off, like you know, at some point, it's all going to come back because you got like you know a special like the Hemingway papers where they all start off where you know like Jigen and Goemon are both like you know bodyguard mercenaries for these two lords. Fujiko's trying to schmooze off some rich guy and take all his stuff. Lupin's just hanging out. And all of a sudden, they just magically just end up together, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you, huh?" It's just like it, it doesn't matter, like you know, it, or or, so, or something like a uh, mystery of Mamo when uh, when Lupin goes off to Mamo's island. You got just Jigen and Goemon getting on a boat to go after him, and then they're both like, you know, you know, for <laughs> it's weird. We both want to kill him, yet we're still going to go help him. Why are we doing this? <laughs> it's, like, it's just like it, it highlights that aspect I love, where like you know, you can't keep them apart for too long. Like and, and of course they're going to no. bicker about it. They're going to try to hide it. Where Fujiko's like, you know, I'm just here for the coin. Even Jigen's like, eh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they go in. Yeah, just yeah, just here for the coin. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I, I love when that aspect of the characters is you know highlighted. Where you know, no matter what, they're always going to come in for each other at the end. It was just it was just a nice moment right before you get to the silly hijinks. Some good feels, and that leads to the second scene that i really liked in this episode was at the very end when lupin's like man i can't believe you guys like got the timing right and then i think it's goemon who says oh maybe this means that we can breed each other's minds and fujiko's like you yes. know <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's that's kind of sums up their relationship very well like they know each mm-hmm. other so well that they can do these things without communicating with each other but at the same time they are distinct people with their own like their own likes and dislikes. And so to a certain extent, they don't necessarily want to be associated with one another. <laughs> Maybe not in every sense of the word, but like, yeah. So friends, but also enemies, not enemies, but you know, like even good friends still give each other shit. So exactly. I, I just, it, it's very, it, it makes their relationship very real, very, very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's like how Goimon was feeling in episode zero of this season with with Jigen possibly leaving and to quote my best friend Katie it's like part one Goimon wanted to kill Lupin first time I saw you I thought you were a bitch kind of mode and then in that episode Ohana means family <laughs> family <laughs> means you know <laughs> you know I do have to wonder though if the whole thing about the mind reading is a callback to my favorite episode of part four the murdering marionette when ah managed, yes. When they managed to, uh, you know, convey the plan just, you know, just by like the movement of their eyes as they look at each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't know if it was intentional reference or an intentional callback, but it was it was neat. But yeah, when you're just close friends with people, you just play off each other very well and read, kind of read each other's minds. I say that because I've done it with I've done it with Guillaume. I've done it with my best friend that I now live with. Um. I've done it with my best friend of um, since high school. It's just like by this point, and they've been a polycule for 
50 years now. <laughs> they, they, they can read each other's minds. <laughs> Not literally, but <laughs> for them to all use the jingle like a metronome. Without even thinking about it, not, not even thinking, is Goimon doing this? Is Fujiko doing this? Who cares? We got to get this done. <laughs> oh, that was another thing I liked that I didn't think. Well, there's two things I like visually. There was one very early on when they're in the hideout, and I think it's Goimon. I think he's eating soup or ramen or something. But if you watch, it's very subtle. But like, there's a like a I don't know piece of corn or something that like flies out of the cup and like sticks on his cheek. And I was like, that's adorable. Mm -hmm. And then later um, (laughs) when they're, when they're practicing, they all push the button with their hand. Right. But then when they actually do it, I think Jigen and Fujiko, like they both pull out guns and then they shoot it. And I'm like, you didn't practice that. (laughs) (laughs) But I appreciate, I appreciate how badass that looks. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. Um, uh, wait, uh, Fu- Fujiko and Jigen shoot it. Doesn't Goemon also like slash it with the Zentetsu? Yeah, I think he slashed it. Well? Yeah, yeah. So yeah he slashed it. <laughs> That's a great little touch. Yeah. Bringing yeah. their own flair to it. Oh, <laughs> God. And they all wore tactical necks like Archer. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? The tact- the tackle neck? Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, they were they were... They were going into a dangerous zone. Hey, I understood <laughs> that reference. Reference. You could, <laughs> Yeah, you, you couldn't see me, but but I'm Tish. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think, was there any other moment I wanted to highlight in it that was? This wasn't it, but one thing that kind of stuck out to me on the second watch that I found was just really funny was um uh th- th- there's that moment when Lupin's like scrolling on Twitter. And sing it. I think it was a new story about was it, was it a new story about him failing to enter the first time, or was it the challenge uh, think, that Lin Fang gives him? I think, yeah, I, th- I think it, I believe it was the challenge. Yeah, the challenge. I, I just love the fact that the Twitter's username was simply just Spectator of Man, which is the most threatening <laughs> Twitter handle I think I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> oh God, he's watching. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are, are you sure it was Twitter? Are you sure it was Twitter and not PeopleLog? Ooh. I think at this point, PeopleLog Ooh. has been disbanded. Kind of like what's going on in Europe right now with um, Mark Zuckerberg fighting um, the EU over um, him trying to put the metaverse over there or something. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I felt like this this episode also did kind of touch on that idea, though. Like the whole the whole personage recognition system like you have they have Mm -hmm. to have like all these data points about these people Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of a spooky idea that you have a computer system that knows enough about someone to tell if a person dressed up as them is real or not yeah i think she said it was like 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 ten thousand different data points yeah yeah i'm like did did all the people like sign off on that or I don't think so. <laughs> kind of like mo- our modern day internet. Hell, it isn't really the first, I don't want to say it, it's a, it was the first time or it isn't, but like it's kind of been um, theorized before or used as a method in uh, episodes in part in a couple episodes in part two. I just can't re- really remember it, but y- you know, it Ultra wouldn't surprise me. Yes, yes, ultra egomaniac. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's um, cool. Because, you know, 
part five kind of slapped us in the face with this whole thing of like, how does Lupin fit in our modern world with modern technology? And of course it kind it culminates to the whole people log thing. And this isn't a spoiler for the next episode, but they do use a technology that is, that is very oh, yeah. much mm-hmm. um, a threat in our real world right now. Like, when we get into that discussion, I actually have really good links that I've that I've read, some from John Oliver, over over this um this technology technological use and the fact that they put it in Lupin, it didn't terrify me. It just made me realize that a lot of the stuff that Lupin that the Lupin the third writers in this in the seventies and eighties thought about is coming to life. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking terrifying. In the in the real world aspect, it's terrifying. And Lupin, it's like it adds a new dynamic and a new hurdle for him to cross. So ouch. In that sense, the most unrealistic part of this episode is the scene where you see Lynn and she's in the ICPO office and she's looking up the data on Lupin and it's like date of birth unknown, nationality <laughs> unknown, all this unknown stuff. I'm like, in this day and age, there's no way that has that information. There's unknown. no way. Someone somewhere that's yeah. it, it, in, in a database, you know, they've got you. Somebody knows. <laughs> exactly. Enzo knows. I mean, like, don't you, ever, don't you ever get bored sometimes, you guys, and just Google yourself? Just to see what comes up, what comes I'm up. I'm too afraid to. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I have Googled myself, and that's when I discovered that there are two Chris Gobbies that I know of, and the one that has not won any Grammys is the one calling himself amazing. <laughs> the, the only thing I realized about myself is that my last name is not very common, so I know I'm the only one, essentially. And that is terrifying, and I kind of want to fall off the grid. <laughs> what happened to Natalie? Oh, she died. <laughs> I kind of want to challenge this other Chris Godby to a duel. Pistols at dawn. The winner gets the uh, Grammy. There you go. <laughs> but that, that was one aspect. Talking about before? <laughs> um, one aspect I, I liked with that whole, um, you know, all the super technology in uh, Lin Fang's uh, you know, building. I love that bit where I forgot the specific line of dialogue, but the, the general idea was Lupin saying, like, you know, like, it's something to the effect of like it doesn't stand a chance against analog yeah. methods or something. Analog like methods that. are still work pretty good against fancy tech or something to that effect. That was mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because it reminded me of that. Uh, th- there's a line similar to that in the TV special uh, "Missed by a Dollar," which came out in 2000, mm-hmm. where he's like, yes. you know, where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, in the age of the millennium, analog's still the way to go. Which I, I love that aspect of Lupin. Where, like, yeah. for all the technology I'm you want, he is going to get around it somehow <laughs> and it's not going to be the way you expect it <laughs> wasn't there someone at discotech that uh tweeted you know that line and said i knew it lupon games on a crt <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to see if there's linear notes Same about way. that because um i did get the blu-ray of it not um when it re- when it was released and i still have yet to watch it i still have yet to actually rewatch that special it's been it's been a couple of, it's been more than 10 years probably but uh, maybe I'll do that tonight. <laughs> Indeed. And so overall, everyone's thoughts on this episode. Really, really good. Like, like th- 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 this was oh, fantastic. Old school it. Lupin. Loved in it. Every way you can imagine, but with also some fun twists to, it, you know, like with, with Lin Fang being <laughs> infatuated with Lupin. That was a nice little twist. <laughs> it was just, 
That's going to be the, me in five years. Me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's me right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Lin Feng dedicates a large portion of her life working on a project completely centered and focused around a long-term project focused on Lupin the third. Hmm. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and that and her like appreciation. For him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my only question is which one of us is going to wear that power suit? Well, I'm definitely not wearing the cat suit. <laughs> because I'm going to fill that thing up better than even Fujiko did. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Oh, goodness. All right. So, obviously, now we're going to hand the show over to... Wait, do you guys... Do you guys hear something out in the distance? Hmm. The ice cream truck? Picking yeah, up I'm something. something. This is a van pulling up outside my house. It's great. It's safe. All right. Guys, focus. Yeah, focus on the timing here. All right. So, gotta get the beat just right. Let's be in sync. So. <laughs> All right. So, let's do it. One, two, One, three. Oh no, guys! Chris, Chris, you're too slow. Natalie, you're too fast. You should meet me in the middle at my speed. (laughs) Ian, you're doing just fine. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Hello again, Lupontic folks. It has been a while, hasn't it? I apologize for my absence from the previous episode, but I had a double wisdom tooth extraction, and between the stitches, painkillers, and a strict soft food diet, I was not able to make a proper recording. Unless you wanted to hear my elephant man impression. But now I am back, bitches, and I'm ready to tackle not just one, but two episodes of Lupin the Third Part 6. I cannot stay behind now, can I? Sit tight, I'll try to keep things short. We start with episode 16. Its main interest is seeing Goemon in a rather unusual position as a fashion muse for the talented but conflicted Gabby. Any artist stuck in a rut or suffering from imposter syndrome will relate. I enjoyed how Goemon shows independence and will ultimately go against Lupin's schemes in order to respect his own code of honor. I also appreciated how Gabi's rehearsals became a part of Goemon's training while the samurai's unbreakable resolve inspired Gabi to spread her wings. It's nothing groundbreaking, but this kind of small touches is what gives some well-needed depth to an overall very classic episode. The animation quality took a bit of a nosedive, with recycled shots and some approximative faces here and there. Again, this series has been made during the pandemic and without the help of Studio Telecom's talents, so I don't want to be too harsh. Still, even in the first half of Part 6, we rarely had such quality issues. There was an illegal fashion traffic subplot that ended up being a throwaway line with no resolution, which I found a bit odd. If that traffic wasn't important to the episode's narrative, why even bring it up? I thought that Gabby's mentor, the Shunkanri lookalike that Gabby aptly calls Lagerfeld, would have been an interesting villain. 
I thought that he would be linked to the illegal traffic, but he turned out to be a positive, if reluctant, ally to Gabby's quest for self-discovery and adopting pets, apparently. Overall, an okay episode in my book with some interesting elements, but the presentation hurts its premise. At least for me. But hey, we had the rare treat of seeing Goemon in an array of silly costumes. That's something. That's all for Gabby, let's go with episode 17. This one is also a standalone and written by Akira Kindaishi, who also wrote episode 15 with Jigen and Melen. This time we focus on security company chairwoman Lin Feng Wang and her funny yet unhealthy obsession over Lupin. The franchise had a lot of different types of women in its 50 years of existence, but I don't think we had many Lupin fangirls. At least not on that level. Seriously, Lin Feng has a whole room decorated with pictures of Lupin, most of them taken from previous episodes of Part 6 and even some promotional art. Lin Feng is not just a fangirl though, and between her time spent in the ICPO and her girl boss attitude, she is a refreshing change from the sometimes caricatural way that Chinese are portrayed in anime. She does provide Lupin an actual challenge with her new personage detector, able to identify Lupin under any disguise. Speaking of disguises, Lupin is once again donning the old mustachio gentleman look in the beginning of the episode. A similar costume was featured in the pirate episode, and both are a reference to an episode of part 1. Now that's what I call dedication. I really enjoyed the highest training scene with Lupin and the gang bickering over timing issues, splitting up and coming back together again after an inspiring speech. Part 6 really shows a more peaceful dynamic between the characters, where disagreements and tensions are still possible, but the characters have grown enough as to reconcile quickly. But good character work is not enough to make an episode good, and until its climax, I was ready to give this episode a rather lukewarm response. The Lupin cosplayers are a tired technique, we had at least one instance of it in each Lupin production, and they are not used very creatively here either. The animation was once again a bit rough around the edges, and Lupin was sometimes barely looking like himself. But then comes the excellent setup payoff that is the Wantic Jingle. Passing through the whole episode like an annoying earworm, Lin Feng's own company's commercial ends up helping the Lupin gang in their timing, allowing Lupin to steal the coin and win Lin Feng's challenge. Not only does it feel rewarding, but it is also thematically potent. Wang's technological prowess is defeated by her own hubris in the form of publicity. Marketing as self-sabotage, now that is relevant. This simple but effective idea really turned the episode from okay to great. And I feel like this is part of Kindaishi's style. Their Jigen episode was also an okay story elevated by its ending. Lupin saying Lin Feng is prettier without glasses is a bit cliché, but I feel like it was a way to facilitate his exit and it allowed for a cute exchange, so I let it slide. Overall, I had a good time, and in spite of its flaws, episode 17 managed to be more than the sum of its parts. I know I may sound more critical than I usually am with his episodes, especially since my fellow co-hosts rather enjoyed them, 
But the wonderful thing about opinions is that as long as they are honest and respectful, they are valid. This second half of part 6 promised a lot and maybe this is why I am more demanding. I also feel like the standalone episodes in this half were rather run-of-the-mill, for now at the very least, while most standalones of the Raven arc tried to be more original. Plus, the drop in animation quality was distracting and I really hope future episodes will raise the bar. And it seems my prayers have been heard, as episode 18 starts a two-parter and goes back to the Tomoe arc with the return of my new favorite character, Matya. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on Deventart and ArtStation as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee, also under Shin Red Deer. That's all for me. See you next time, Lupantic folks. And remember, if you introduce a catchy slogan in the first act, be sure to use it in the third. Goddamn noise pollution. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jigen. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, indeed. Indeed. Well. Makes me miss the quiet of Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon that wraps this week's episode of Cybrants and Cigarettes. And of course, we'll do our, uh, our social media plugs. So, Ian. Where can we find you on the uh, the social medias? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Zoid9000, Z-O-I-D, and 90000. Um, that's about the only social media that I am active on. Um, so, yeah, please follow me if you're interested. I do sometimes tweet about my Lupin translations. Um, and I would like to use this time just to plug something that's slightly unrelated. But my wife recently opened a Etsy shop because she's a nice sewer. So if you have any interest in hand-sewn bags, I would appreciate your support. The name of the shop is Shijimi Sewing. S-H-I-G-I-M-I. Thank you. Ooh, I'm gonna check nice. it out. Yeah, oh, yeah. I need a new. I legit need a new bag. <laughs> oh, and I do. I do want to say. Do want to say one more thing. I don't want to say too much, but I do. You guys always review the episode, and I'm always very curious to hear your thoughts. But I have noticed there's one thing that I think everyone seems to be missing. But from the beginning of episode 13, like the second half, all the way up to now, there is a common thread. That has come through all of these episodes. There is a common thread somewhere. So just when you, when you go rewatch even the one-offs, there is there is a thread. That's all hmm. I will say. It, it's related okay. to di- it's related to dialogue. So that's why I noticed. Damn it! Translation. Damn it! Now I actually have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, really? Yeah. No, okay. You got me excited now, man. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching mm. even more. Heck, okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. Lupontic folks. Oh boy. Unless you already figured it out. (laughs) There might be a genius out there that did. I don't know. (laughs) I want to meet this genius. And so, Natalie, where can we find you? Uh, On Twitter, of course. You know, the bird app at C A P L I H E L L S I N G. And of course, on Instagram at Captain C A P T A I N Lee Helsing. L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. 
Only places you can find me. Please don't stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> don't record all my data and put it into a security system. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> don't build a massive shrine, you know. <laughs> and, no, if, no commissions. If someone, some, if someone builds a massive shrine out of me, I will know that I have peaked and I'm just done because, <laughs> ew. <laughs> uh, Chris, where can we find you? Well, first of all, if you do want to stalk me and build a shrine to me, go for it. I'm kind of into that. Also, you can find me on on Twitter at Dr. Furball. You can find my uh, – so you can also find me on uh, Instagram, Newgrounds, and a few other places at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. Uh, you can find my webcomics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.thecomicstrip.org. Very nice. Noise. And you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's uh, D R E W H U N T E R 15. You can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L U P I N P O D. You can also find us on Instagram at the same at. And you can listen to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you know, Feel free to you know scroll down and you know it would be very uh, it would be very wonk of you to you know give us a five star <laughs> feeling up to it. And also, hi, Dad. I, I say I say that because my dad just started listening to podcasts and he he legit asked me, "Where's your podcast?" And I was like, "No, we need hi, hi, please give us five stars." <laughs> 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 Before we sign off, just wanted to give another massive thank you to Ian for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. You you have been putting so much work into this. It is an honor to have you on the show. And the door is open for you to return at any point, even when part six six is over. Door is open anytime, man. it, It was a delight to have you here. Wonderful. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm glad I listened because... I, I kind of knew what to expect, and so I felt like I, I mixed my way in here really well. So, and I enjoyed myself. It, time went by a oh, lot faster yeah. than I thought it would. So, yeah, we're we're not that frightening. I feel <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it's, it's, it's less about it's less about you guys and more about me. I, I'm a very nervous oh, person. So. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. I can be too. <laughs> I mean, especially when you have such nice things to say about me. I'm just sitting over here turning red. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like a, you're like Lin Fang with the with the uh, the uwu face when she sees exactly exactly. <laughs> for, for for a second there, I thought Drew was going to ask me to take off my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> no, because unlike Lupin, yes. I'm smarter in that regard. <laughs> glasses appreciator. <laughs> I would wear mine too, but I wore contacts today, so Lin Fang needs to um, invest in a pair of those. Then I guess no, I don't she doesn't. Know. She needs to keep the glasses. <laughs> no, I agreed, but she's probably gonna go out to Costco and get contacts after that scene. Unfortunately, <laughs> my. And on I that know. note, I've got to type. Anyway. <laughs> We will see you soon, Lupontic folks. Have a good week. Good night. <laughs> Bye, Wamtic folks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 
Next time on Sideburns and Cigarettes. Is. Is that a kebab? In a loop on the third episode? I feel so represented! Wantiku! 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 Number one!